And I have this analogy that I, I use when I explain surrogacy to someone who is considering it or starting it or, or what it's like from a very raw perspective. And I am not a pro football fan, but I do love a good college football game. Okay. And, 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 and for my husband and I, we, we were riding pine, man. Whoever thought making a baby could be so hard. Luckily, the fertility journey isn't meant to be traveled alone. Eloise Drain has helped hundreds of people build and grow their families over the last 15 years. And she's ready to share her insider knowledge and expertise with you. So grab a seat and let's talk fertility and alternative family building in the Fertility Cafe. Welcome back to Fertility Cafe. Today, we're talking about safe, independent surrogacy and speaking with Candice Wohl. Candice, writer, public speaker, and oversharer of all things infertility, is now a mother two times via surrogacy over a decade-long struggle. Candace and her husband, Chris, decided that in order to overcome adversity, they must stare it directly in the face with humor and positivity through their award-winning blog, Our Misconception, which started in 2012. Candace is also a contributor for Huffington Post, Pop Sugar, Pregnant Dish, and many other online sites and magazines. Candace. It is so great to have you on the show today. Thank you for joining me. And how can I not say <laughs> yes to the fabulous Eloise? Oh, oh thank gosh. you. I appreciate uh, that. I could, I could sit here and empty a bottle of wine and talk with you all day long. So okay. this is a pleasure. And that's the problem, that we can continue <laughs> doing those bottles without an issue. So, yeah. <laughs> so obviously, this is going to be a very casual conversation, but I do have notes just so I can make sure that I get to all the good points. And you, as we know, have built your family through independent gestational surrogacy, casually referred to as surrogacy. You and your husband, Chris, combined your genetics using IVF and had two women on separate occasions um, carry each of your children. Is that right? That is correct. Although there is a little bit of a cliffhanger in, in part of that. In the middle of that, we actually were in three surrogacy contracts. Oh, and yeah, but the second one after the contract was formed backed out last minute. So Ew. yeah, so we entered in three independent surrogacies. Wow. Okay. Goodness. Okay. Now my brain is even going more so than even what I had jotted down for notes. So, but wait, <laughs> I'm already getting excited. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, well, would you mind just kind of sharing a little bit first about you, I mean, yes, there was an intro, but I always like to have um, people kind of just share directly about themselves so that people hear it from you. Absolutely. We So, you know, my name is Candace Wall and, and it all started with a blog, I think, is kind of how this all started. My husband and I were, uh, we were going through this and, and, and at that time, it was in, in, in 2012, we were, no one was talking about it, right? I mean, there's some, but there just it just wasn't talked about as much. And, and certainly people were not blogging about it. And so uh, we started a blog. And then from there, uh, we got picked up with MTV and a few national other media sites. And, and it kind of sparked from there. From writing, I've been able to turn my, my past of what has happened to me into moving forward through advocacy and awareness and things like that, which has brought me here. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now you and Chris, you, you did all of this on your own, what would be called an independent surrogacy journey. You started documenting about it, as you said, in 2012. And uh, I mean, and even now, I mean, I can only imagine 2012, there was hardly a whole lot of information out there regarding infertility, let alone surrogacy. Mm -hmm. So, and I know we've made progress clearly, but more is definitely needed, especially on the surrogacy side. Yes. And as you know, surrogacy is a complex process. So when you finally came to the decision to consider surrogacy, how, how did you learn about independent surrogacy? Would you mind sharing why you even went the independent surrogacy route? Absolutely. And, and I'm going to tell you, um, and, and I'm just to be real here, and, and I think that a lot of people may, may be head naughty with this. It took years and years and years of failure to get to the point of even considering surrogacy. And even then, we fought it, you know, just 
fisticuffs the whole time through. Mm. And I think the reason why is because ironically, the one option that actually completed my family was the one option that we had a line in the sand about. Mm. Right? (laughs) We, We started out with IUIs and IVF and, and all those things failed. Um, and you just, attempted IVF yourself how many times? We had um, six IUIs, six IVF failures. Oof. And the sixth one was I, um, around the fifth IVF, I had started to form the beginning stages of uterine cancer. Mm-hmm. And uh, my OBGYN oncologist and my R, my reproductive endocrinologist there's a lot of gists at the end of that. <laughs> they 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 work together in coming up with a plan, and and both of them, you know, rightfully said, "Hey, we we need to shut the door after this, and we need to start considering a hysterectomy." And so that sixth one that failed was my chips all in, and it failed. I I went bankrupt, emotionally speaking. Right, of course. And and that was it. And so. I remember sitting around with the MTV crew at the time because they were filming us during this time. And I, I opened up a bottle of wine on the table. And this is after I just heard the news. And, and I said, number one, you need to have a drink with me because this is pretty heavy. And number two, we're going to sit here and call up some adoption agencies. Okay. Right. So those failed. We had miscarriage. Uh, we had, and then we had um, uh, someone change their mind throughout that. And I was so angry. Oh, I, I was so angry during the adoption time because there's so many things like, you know, we had to lock up our medications. We had to do all these things that I, I don't understand why we would have to do that. I would, it was just, it was just a very angry stage in my life. And we started fundraising for it. Mm-hmm. for the adoption because we had already expended all of our, our financial resources for that. And my mom, this is the really weird part here. My mom who was adopted said to me, she's because I had recently had a Facebook message sent to me from a friend. Um, it was an acquaintance and she said, hey, I've been a gestational carrier twice now. Um, if you're interested, I would love to do a surrogacy journey with you. And I closed out that message and my husband talked about it. The line was still in the sand. If one of us can't, if both of us can't be involved, then we're not moving forward. It was an all in or all nothing kind of situation, right? It really has to be. Mm -hmm. And I talked to my mom and I said, hey, you know, who, like I said, um, she, she was adopted. And I said, mom, um, I have this woman who is interested in being my surrogate um, and we have two embryos remaining, but I just, I just don't know if it's the right thing because it's somebody else and it's not us. And I don't have any control over this. And she basically said, Candace, you're a fool. <laughs> you know, she, she said, you know, you have a bird in hand right now. You have somebody who's willing to do this. You can adopt for a sibling later, but take this opportunity. Mm-hmm. And that is what erased that line in the sand because I I talked to my husband. I said, you know, I I think we're being stubborn. I think that we are not looking at what is right in front of us Mm -hmm. and the, and the options that we have. Mm -hmm. So all of this to say is I was so caught up in my own grief Mm -hmm. that I was blind to the options that I had Mm -hmm. that could continue on the end goal. Right. But rightfully so, though. Mm-hmm. So as you know, although many may not yet, I recently launched Surrogacy Roadmap, which is an online guide for families wanting to complete independent surrogacy journeys. And the first topic I discuss is mindset. Mm-hmm. I think once intended parents begin down the path of surrogacy, they have to have the right mindset. And of course, any family building adventure can be stressful. What's your thoughts on mental readiness and mental preparedness for a journey? Like, how did you work on your mindset? I mean, I know with your mom and kind of, and and, and funny enough, it ends up being that 2021, my word for the year is perspective. And what is weird is every day when I'm reading something, I'm I'm seeing it. And maybe it's because I'm hyper-focused now on that word. 
But I think when somebody goes into it, they, as you mentioned, you weren't ready. And, but you, it was rightfully so that you weren't ready. It's not something that somebody could just hop right into and it's not going to be a big deal. So what is your thoughts? Oh, perspective. I have, I have all the praise hands right now. That is such, oh, that's such a key word. It, it is. That is 100% what it was, is you have to be, you have to change your perspective, but you have to be in a place where you can, where you can. My issue was in being in that mindset is I had to address my grief. Mm-hmm. I had to, I had to address the, the loss of ever being able to carry my own pregnancy. It's not even a, hey, this might happen once you you do this, or hey, why don't you try to adopt and guess what? You're going to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if I just relax, no, I have, I don't have a uterus. It's gone. Mm-hmm. It's gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the, that door is shut, sealed, no other option. And I had to, I had to come to peace with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that takes, that takes communication with a spouse because they're grieving differently. And he has to be in the same mindset as I am because you can't go into this with different mindsets. And I also had to be in a place for not only am I ready to enter into a new option that seems so foreign and it seemed that I was fighting it the whole way, but I also had to go into it with reckless abandon. Mm. And so it, it, it takes a moment. And for us, it took six years to even get to that place. Yeah. To even consider it. Yeah. I mean, because if you think about it, how, and, and even for you and wanting to ask you, how, I mean, how do you personally handle the fact that there was another woman carrying your babies for you? You have no control. You have no say. You have no power. You are literally at the whim of another human being where she doesn't live next to you. She has her own life, has her own children, has her own spouse, um, can come and go as she pleases. And you're kind of just like, okay, I'm just going to sit and wait for nine months and hope that she's doing everything she says she's going to do. You know, that's that's really interesting that you bring that up. And I have this analogy that I, I use when I explain surrogacy to someone who is considering it or starting it or or what it's like from a very raw perspective. And I am not a pro football fan, but I do love a good college football game. Okay. And, 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 and for my husband and I, we, we were riding pine, man. I mean, I am on the sidelines. I am sitting there and that's all I can do. And in the last minute of the game, the score is tied. She, my quarterback has the only game winning ball. Mm. And all I can do is watch as people try to tackle. There are, you know, distractions everywhere. And, and she, her goal is to get past that line. And all I can do from my perspective is cheer her on mm. and give and give her every bit of my attention and making sure that we are in this game together to win that ball, whether I'm riding pine or I'm, ru- I'm running right with her, making sure she doesn't get tackled. Mm-hmm. There's no control. Mm-hmm. And, but I do have control over how I make sure that this surrogacy goes well. Mm-hmm. And it starts with support and communication and making sure that we're all on the same team. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. And it, 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 I can't stress the support in communication because I think a lot of problems that we as a society have is that we lack the communication to be able to open our mouths and speak on what the problem is. And then when we speak on what the problem is, to be able to listen to what the other person's perspective is and then be willing to hear and take in their perspective and stop being so one-track minded. You know, I read something that said when each individual, we all have our own eyes. And it takes the bigger person to be able to be willing to see the other person from their eyes and for them to see from your eyes so that each of you can see from both sides. 
And that is definitely a problem with our society. Oh, and and every aspect, absolutely. I mean, this this couldn't be a more nail on the head. <laughs> you have nailed it, absolutely. Because you know, we we could learn so much from listening to each other. Yeah. Um, really can, and 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 that goes into you know surrogacy. And, right. and do you agree with your husband on everything? Good lord. You know? Absolutely not. And he will probably be the only other time he'll come on this podcast again is to say that nope, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> right. And 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 on my perspective, do do I agree with everything that my husband says or does he agree? No, and I'm living with him, right? Mm-hmm. You're now married into a relationship mm-hmm. in surrogacy with another person and family on topics that are pretty deep. Mm-hmm. And in conversations that are are pretty deep that not everyone is going to see eye to eye on. That's right. And you have to you have to address this as it is a relationship. Mm-hmm. Whether you continue that relationship afterwards, in that moment, it is a relationship, and it just like you said, talking and listening mm-hmm. on all ends. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm glad that you did cover that in 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 the roadmap and. Because the mindset is a big piece, but as is communication too. And, and so I, I really think that this is something that more people could use guidance on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, I, I think for many, they think, okay, I'm doing independent surrogacy. And so, you know, and we know often, I definitely hear that, that the concept of finding and screening a surrogate is tricky which is often what inspires folks to feel they need to use an agency. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious, how, well, one, how did you find your GCs? And I didn't realize that it was three. How did you find them? And then how did you screen them? And then one last question to that, and I know I'm throwing all of them at you at the same time, but how did you go into it with your mindset now that you've made that decision? All right. Well, I think so. If we put it in buckets, so how did I find? And I and, and really taking a step back here, I think people who do consider not everyone who considers independent surrogacy are in the same shoes as I do. But for the most point, either it's cost or they have a bird in hand per se. They have they know someone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those are those are two major reasons why they would consider it. For me, the option didn't come clear until it was right in front of me. So for the first surrogacy, I had someone approach us. And and really I, I'm lucky in the fact because I think part of it was we we made ourselves vulnerable by sharing our story publicly. And we made ourselves vulnerable by, you know, posting on social media and, and all of these things. So people knew what our current situation is, but not everybody wants to divulge that kind of information. Mm-hmm. And I think that also is um, something that separates people from doing um, independent versus, you know, other options as well is because they're like, hey, you know, I, I'm willing to put my, myself out there in, 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 in what's going on and I'm willing to ask for help. So there's several factors that kind of go into that. But how I found my first one was uh, she saw that we were fundraising for an an adoption because adoption, despite what people think, it is exceedingly Hmm. expensive. Mm -hmm. And there's not a lot of financial resources out there to to help aid that. So that's how that one happened. The, The second one... I had written about how my youngest daughter, who we had at that time through surrogacy, um, from our first surrogacy, um, was literally stalking me for a um, sibling, and it was it was quite awful. <laughs> well, my friend's mom is pregnant, and da da da. I said, "Mom, baby, I know her tummy isn't broken, but why don't you pray to Jesus? Why don't you pray that He fixes you?" These were the conversations that we had. And I said, look, Jesus can do a lot of things and he can make things happen, but he's not going to fix my uterus. Mm. He might give me new opportunities, but Jesus works in different ways. Honey. Mm-hmm. 
but tell them to fix it. <laughs> and they don't understand. So, um, you know, I, I'm writing about this and, the, and that pressure of, you know, trying to explain infertility to a three-year-old, yep. which is, or, you know, almost four-year-old at the time. It was very difficult. And I had a woman from that was involved in a support group and, and did some advocacy work with us um, offer. She said, look, I know what it's like. Um, and, and, you know, being, being a mother is the most amazing thing in the world. I want to do what I can to help you. And her fertility issues were very different from my fertility issues. She had genetic abnormality problems, whereas my, my, my eggs are great. Mm-hmm. Her, um, her bun is great. Together, we make a match made in heaven. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) But she was not a known gestational carrier. Mm -hmm. She, um, we went through all the testing. We went through um, all the contract piece. We did all the things. We checked all the boxes. But at the end of the day, um, she backed out on pretty much calendar day one. And, um, and it was devastating. Yeah. And. I think what's really important both to gestational carriers, people who are th- considering being a gestational carrier or IPs who um, are considering being IPs mm-hmm. is if you have someone who is not all in that, you have to respect that. Yeah. And on the other side of the coin, don't put yourself so far into yes. the process where it's going to be not only a heartbreak of that chance that is now dropped, but also the financial aspect of loss as well. Mm-hmm. Cause we lost around 24,000 and not protected obviously because yep. infinite, yep. you know? And, um, and so that I, I went through a little bit of depression after that. I mean, that was a really hard loss and um, because it was the loss of a, of, of a chance. Sure. And uh, we were left with now five embryos and no option and, and nowhere, no, no, no game, no game plan, no nothing. Mm. The third, are you ready for this? My husband found <laughs> our third gestational carrier. How does that even happen? Yeah, please do tell. So I'm not trying to cross the boundaries of male versus female, but let's just let's just call it what it is. I think the the female piece of this, they are really active in the process and getting everything going, right? Whereas the man is like, okay, let's I'll handle the I'll handle the other logistics. You know, um, it, they're present if you know you have a present couple. Well, um, my husband and I both deal with grief differently. I was like, I went off of this roller coaster. I'm done. Mm. I can't. I, I just don't have any more left me. Let's 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 wrap this beautiful family of three in a box and and enjoy our our blissful life of what we have fought for. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Candace, I feel deeply that we need to move forward and and try for a second child through surrogacy. I said, okay, if this is what you want and if this is what you feel so strongly about, I will support you but you're going to have to sing the lead. Mm. I will, I will help you with the hook. I can't sing lead here. Mm-hmm. It's all you. Mm-hmm. And I even gave him, I said, okay, by the end of this, this summer, if, if we don't have an option, let's go ahead and, and shut the door. Do you agree? Yes. Okay. Damn it. If July, cause the cutoff was <laughs> August. Damn it to July, he didn't call me 6.30 in the morning and say, hey, I, I'm, I'm at my faith-based workout group. It's, it's this group called F, F3. And it was like a, a, one of my workout buddies came up to me and said, hey, um, I hear you and your wife are trying to find a gestational carrier. Are, are you interested? Because my wife is looking to become a surrogate. <laughs> And the rest was history. She was a new, um, an un, you know, she was not an established surrogate um, or gestational carrier. And um, there was a lot of coaching and, and working through that in that process. But that is how those, the three mm. came into, into our life. And, you know, I, um, I, I just found it so fascinating that because I mean, everybody knows I'm definitely a believer. Um, and I find it fascinating that your three-year-old had more faith 
than you probably and potentially your husband. And she was probably the one who God or Jesus was actually listening to and was like, oh, don't worry, baby. I got you. Oh, and, and, and don't you forget for a moment, she doesn't gloat about it to this day. Aren't you glad? <laughs> Mommy, aren't you glad that you still... <laughs> I told you, you need to trust him, mommy. Look, look, from the mouths of a three-year-old, okay? Oh, she she gloats about it now. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, well, would you mind sharing about your surrogacy journeys? Like, what your relationships was like? And did you attend doctor's appointments? And what about the spouses and their relationships and communications and meetup? Like, were you able to touch their bellies? Like, how was it? Each one was so different. But I think the, let's start with the commonality. The commonality is how Chris and I are just as people and how we approach this. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things, again, going back to the quarterback is, we approached everything in support. We tried to do everything, like every single goal that a milestone that would hit, we would try to celebrate. And the other thing was we were, I mean, I'm so lucky in the fact that we were local to all of them. So I was able to be present. I, there, I think I've missed one of the appointments out of every single appointment that both of them ever went to. Mm. I was present at every single one. Um, and, you know, even to the point where we're standing there, so why are you here again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're just doing a blood draw. Mm-hmm. Because I, I wanted her to know that she's not in this alone. This is this is an us thing. And and and, and I want her to be supported. So one of the things that we we really enjoyed was for our first gestational care, she but both of them actually, and now that I think about it, both of them are absolutely obsessed with Chick-fil-A. Okay. And, and how like obsessed. And so the first one, um, for my first daughter, every appointment, I would bring her a Chick-fil-A biscuit with grape jelly. She would always want a Chick-fil-A chicken biscuit with grape jelly on it. And she would sit there in a waiting room as she's waiting to be called back and eat her biscuit and enjoy, you know, that was her thing. I always brought it to her. And then the, the, the second one, she, we would just do bigger things because she would eat Chick-fil-A all the time. So that was, but what, one of the things that um, she really had a hard time was with the, she had a problem with the um, progesterone injections. They wear on you. God, yes. (laughs) Awful. Yeah. And, and I think it's part of recognizing that this is, she never had to do this. So number one, she's like, you know, why do I have to do this in the beginning? I am fine. You know, there's no reason why I have to do this. And number two, I am, I have, this is painful. This isn't fun. Yes. And so recognizing that from an IP standpoint is how can I make this fun? How can I make this not suck? And what is a, what is that dangly carrot that we can look forward to? Because if I'm going through something hard, I need that dangly carrot. And for her, she was like, I said, what is your favorite meal in the whole wide world? Like what, what?" I gave her like a basket of things to help with the shots and, and all the things. But you know, apart from silly band-aids and apart from, you know, checking on, on her with these injections, what is the meal that you look forward to? I love crab legs. I said, the girl, you were going to get so many crab legs. <laughs> like the last day, it's going to be a feast. And that's exactly what we did. I had all the crab legs, all the seafood. It was just, we, and we, we ate so much of that just because, but that's how every situation yeah. was. Yes. Yes. In yes. This. Yeah. Yeah, it's not just the chicken biscuits. It's not just that. It's it's you know remembering birthdays. It's you know hey, what do you need? It's not just gifting. It's just being present. Yep. So present sometimes is present enough. Yeah, yeah. And when it comes to independent surrogacy, all of the small details that typically an agency handles, so that you don't have to really discuss it. How did you guys work them out? I mean, you know, from the details of the relationship or the type of relationship, how much you're going to communicate from what about compensation and what those expectations are. And and even about, you know, once delivery comes, can you 
both be present. I mean, I have some surrogates that were like, well, um, I would prefer they be in the room, but, you know, have my privacy. So like, how did you make sure that you were on the same page before you even got started? That's really that, you know, I, I swear I could write a book on that just in general. And, and really for time purposes, I do want to address the birth because um, and then I'll address kind of how did, you know, we do that. But both gestational carriers are very different when it came to that. I was my first gestational carrier. She, she is just, she's just wide open. She is, mm-hmm. That's just her personality. She's like, Hey, you want to hold my, hold my leg while I push? And I'm just like, yes. <laughs> And then she's like, hey, Chris, come on. Like, you, you, you know, like. Yeah, that was me too. That was me. Yeah. Check this yeah. out. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, you know? I, like, I don't care. The whole community can be, it don't freaking matter. Like, do this, yeah. you know. Like, I just want them out. Yeah. Bring the camera. Yeah. Where is our second one, um, our third one is she was very, she's very conservative. Mm-hmm. And we had to respect that. Mm-hmm. And at the very beginning of the agreement, it was okay if both of us were present. Mm-hmm. As we got closer, she decided that she could only have me there, and my husband had to stand outside the um, outside the the curtain. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those control things. Were we upset about that? Was I hurt about that? Of course, I think anybody would be. You know, we want to. You know, I want my husband to be just part of this to see the first breath and all these things, right? Yep. But this is a woman who is who is doing this amazing act. This is her request. Yes. This is 10 seconds, maybe five minutes of, of, a, of a small portion of a full lifetime that I will have with this child. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's fine for him to be behind that curtain. Mm-hmm. If she's happy. She's less stressed. She's going to be okay through this labor. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. But I think it's easy to get caught up in that in the moment. Yes. So backtrack to how do you keep up with all these things? I woulda, coulda, shoulda. Um, I, <laughs> I've learned a lot through each one. And if I went through another one, I'd probably learn some more. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're all different. Mm-hmm. We all agree on different things. We all have hard lines in the sands of different things. Mm-hmm. And then even six years ago or seven years ago at that time, when um, I was working through the first surrogacy, I had the guidance of my clinic that did not have a surrogacy program. They just did independent surrogacy. So if you're like, hey, here's this. So they helped me through, okay, this is what these are the this is the protocol. Mm-hmm. Right. I knew I had to have a reproductive um attorney. Mm-hmm. I knew she needed to be represented. And then I had her who had already done this. Mm-hmm. That's what I had. And then I had what the values were for my husband and I. Mm-hmm. There weren't a lot of blogs out there. There weren't a lot of resources out there. There weren't a lot of guides, step one, step two, step three, step four, step five. I had to figure this all out yep. by myself. Yep. It, and, and it wasn't easy. Yeah. So there was a lot of woulda, coulda, shoulda. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, we made sure that our, our contracts protected both parties and that um, we had great guidance because we did seek the help of a reproductive family law attorney. And mm-hmm. that's so important. Mm-hmm. You, you can't get, you know, your uncle Bob who has a law degree to yeah. do this. Yeah. Oh God. Yes. Yeah. Please don't. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, but I think the biggest area of communication that seems to fall through before and after the contract is the birth plan mm-hmm. is the details of the birth plan. Mm-hmm. And both of mine, there was what I, I wish we would have worked this out. I wish we would have talked about this beforehand versus right at the 11th hour. We're like, oh, but I don't agree with this, but hold on. You know, it, it's yep. Yep. so that's a big deal. And more people need to talk about that. Yes, I, I definitely wholeheartedly agree. So especially independent surrogacy, well, indeed, non-traditional family building can feel so overwhelming. What aspect of independent surrogacy did you find most challenging? Like, is there anything you wish you had known beforehand or that was available to you or? I think having a, that intermediary, 
Mm. One of the things that I tell people who are ever going to get into an independent surrogacy, and this circles right back to that intermediate piece, is I wish that they, that I would have put in the contract that every trimester there is a mandatory uh, mediation and or meeting with a a counselor Mm -hmm. of some sort, even if things are blissful, because it is an emotional, it is, it is beautiful as much as it is complicated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of complicated feelings. There's a lot of complicated things that might come up that I think needs to be mediated and worked through. And I wish that was available. Yeah. For for the the infant series, I wish I would have had the forethought to put that in, and because I think it would have helped ease the stress and the mental burden yep. that can think can go on on both the gestational carrier and the IPs, yeah, and their family, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's that is extremely important. I'm curious though, did you guys ever consider doing the surrogacy agency route? Ah, you know, it's with, it, again, it wasn't it, it wasn't an option that I had in front of me, mm. and and I think that is due to lack of awareness of surrogacy options. Mm-hmm. And then surrogacy is really booming more now, right? than it was then. I mean, you know, we're like the unicorns of the infertility community. (laughs) It's rare, it's magical, and not people know much about it, you know? And and so there just wasn't a lot of information for me to even consider it. And then even then, I think there's a stigma that is around an agency. Mm -hmm. And that stigma is it's it's out of reach, it's, um, I have less control and financially, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, yeah. And, and I think by understanding what your options are mm-hmm. and knowing that, okay, there's other things that surrogacy agencies can do for you and it might be worth listening to mm-hmm. and it might be worth considering if anything for guidance mm-hmm. and fact finding mm-hmm. in, in your, in your fact finding process. Cause even if I had that, that guidance of, well, A, B, C is kind of where you start. That would have been great. Yeah. But I didn't have that. Yeah. Well, and it's, and it, it's it really, it's exactly why I started that surrogacy roadmap. I mean, because when I first said, I told, started telling people that I wanted to do it and everybody's like, why, why would you do that? You're competing against yourself with it as an agency. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Because there are so many people out there that agencies are not in their reach. They they can't for whatever reason. And, but at the same time, you want to be able to give somebody a guide so that they can enjoy this experience. Who wants to, you know, have knowing that they're getting ready to have a child and it literally be fraught with angst and frustration and anger and, you know, all the emotions when you want it to be joyful, you want it to be where, you know, you're getting excited and and starting to think about baby names and starting to think about how you're going to create the nursery. And, and not to say that even if it goes smoothly, that it's not going to have these other emotions, but let's limit how the stress of it can overtake somebody. And that's the problem is that for the longest time, there was nothing out there. Yeah. It, and, 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 you know, and sadly, it takes a long time for those stigmas to, to lift. Yes. And, yes. and I think, you know, by doing this and talking about it and, and offering these options, which, I mean, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to be real. I don't see a whole lot of other people offering these options. Yeah. And, and that just kind of goes to show you um, in, in your moral fiber and in your passion for wanting to help people grow families, regardless of, of how they choose to do it. Well, I thank you. I appreciate that. But yeah, it is definitely something that I feel just so many people, and especially now with COVID, good mm. Lord, there is so many intended parents coming out of the woodworks. You know, they've been home, they've been quarantined, they've had time to sit down and think about what is what is what is it that I want? What is truly important to me? And you know, being able to complete their family has now become top priority. 
And there are, like I said, there's like literally people coming out of the woodworks Mm -hmm. and it's, it's wild really. And for some, you know, when like for you, when you started down your infertility journey, you obviously selected a clinic to assist you. And then I'm curious how you selected your clinic and what were some of the things you considered when you were selecting it? Well, you, you know, for me, it was familiarity. I I had a team of um, doctors already established. They had I've been working with them for years, and um, it also happened to be the first uh, clinic in the U.S. where uh, an IVF baby was born. Mm. Um, so, so they knew had the, what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> they they knew what they were doing. Um, it was uh, EVMS, the Jones Institute, is is where we we ultimately you know rested our hat and of of our fertility pursuits. You know, after, after that certain time, we had already formed a bond with them. And and I think when it comes to your people and your team, they have to feel right. You have to make sure that they, you feel that they are, they have your best interests in play yep. and, and that you don't feel like just a number. And, you know, I, I still keep up with their staff now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, I mean, they, they, they are just wonderful people. And so I chose them out of relationship based and of how they made me feel they were reputable these were the people who I knew could do the right job for this for you know but for some it's access yeah there's not a lot of clinics that are nearby so you you this is this is what you got you, yep. you get what you get you don't throw a fit yep. for for me I have it, it, within an 80 mile radius we probably have over seven clinics maybe more mm-hmm that are well known mm-hmm. just in that. So access isn't an issue, but yeah. for a lot of people, you know, that is. Yeah. Well, and we know surrogacy takes a village and this is not something that obviously is just you and your surrogate. It's the fertility clinic. It's the attorneys, it's mm-hmm. the mental health professionals. It's all of the things. And and certainly you want to find a reputable clinic, reputable licensed attorney that is really focused on family formation, you know, a reputable mental health professional. How how did you go about finding and kind of building your own village? You know, I think what's in I think a lot of it's fate and kind of how things all fell into place. Yeah. We when we were going through our adoption agency, we were connected with a reproductive attorney here, a mm-hmm. uh, reproductive family attorney here. And because, um, you know, it's not like they, there are a lot of people who specialize right. in that. It's, 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 a, it's a niche, you know, specialization. And so we had already known who we needed to talk to through that, through our adoption pursuits. Mm-hmm. Had we not, I don't know what results Google would have come up with. Mm. You know, I mean... It probably wouldn't have been good, and and because there's a lot of people who put that on their list of specialties because they they nodded yes once, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and so so a lot of it's luck. Yeah, yeah. We you know the, this you know our our independent journey started off with with a with a with a hell of a lot of luck. Yeah, girl, that was just all God. Mm-hmm. That's what that was. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I know another the big scary topic, of course, is finance and insurance. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious if you had any luck with either the financing of your journeys and how you guys handled the insurance arrangements. Mm. I aside from the birth plan, <laughs> mm-hmm. bring it up. Oh, that's a hard one. That right there is what takes the longest time of planning a surrogacy is working through that, mm-hmm. that piece right there, the insurance and, and, and all, all of that red tape and hoopla. Oh my gosh, it's awful. Yep. So the first one we had to pay, this is right before um, the CARE Act yes. came into place and we were in that weird spot. So we had to pay for a maternity rider. Oh goodness. Okay. Mm-hmm. We were lucky mm. because I saw, you know, I had to pay for a maternity rider. Let's just talk about that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's it on top of my gestational care insurance because her insurance covered it. Mm-hmm. Not many do. 
mm-hmm. and not many have the the again God was shining down on us with this one and the other one with insurance was a little bit more difficult we really had to work with our our reproductive attorney on that piece because things had to be worded very specifically within our contract for it to make, to work that makes sense mm-hmm. so it, it it takes a lot of communication not just with you Yep. Looking at a couple documents, like you need your attorney yep. to look at this. Yep. You need other eyes to dot and cross the, this because it is going to make or break mm-hmm. your, your, your affordability. Yep. Yep. And were you guys in, I, I mean, I know now that there's different organizations that do fertility financing. Was any, mm-hmm. were there any back when you started? Not as many. And, and, and really they were all specific to IVF Mm. and not surrogacy. Yeah. Yeah. So our first one, we, you know, we had fundraised and I'm talking, if if you ever want to do a a podcast on fundraising, I got you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to take you up on that. (laughs) Because I mean, we, we fundraised I think around twenty five to twenty seven thousand mm. and hard work. I mean, it was it was a long game of fundraising. Mm-hmm. We got damn creative too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you so really have to. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely do. So that but we had already started that with our adoption. Mm-hmm. And so we you know, we reached out to everyone who had donated through the adoption piece and we said, look, plot twist. Yep. <laughs> um, yep. If you don't want to support a surrogacy and you contributed your money specifically for an adoption, we want to give you the option to give you your money back that you contributed. Mm-hmm. And people are amazing. Everybody's like, no. Matter of fact, here's some more. I mean, let's, let's help you some more. So that's what we did for this for the first one. And then the rest of it was um, just uh, you know, shaking out. Yep. yep. Ramen, yeah, some couch cushion shaking, but it worked, you <laughs> yeah. know. But it worked. It's, it's. I and my husband, and I. I mean, I, I'm not Beyonce, okay. Although I, when I sing in the shower, I'd like people to think I am, right? But I am not, and you know. But we we have we have good jobs, yeah. But I I don't have a rich uncle anywhere. Yeah, we did this all from determination. Mm-hmm. Because do I need that vacation three years from now after that baby is born? Mm-hmm. No, I'm going to be changing diapers and wiping butts. Mm-hmm. You know, I would much rather watch my child in a backyard having fun than being on a beach mm-hmm. without a child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what you have to decide on when you're looking at finances yep. is what do you ultimately want? That's right. And where there's a will, there is a way. You always know, make money. If you determine if you are determined that you want to be able to have this child, I'm telling you, people come up with the most just mind blowing ideas to be able to raise money to do it. And the thing about it is, is also to have patience and mm-hmm. knowing that it is not going to happen overnight. No, Mm-mm. at it's all. Not. No, no. And and so with the the third one. We had finally recovered from years of <laughs> yes, yes. So at least we had a little bit of of money, and and we also had to make sure that you know when we were affording a second child, what can we afford, mm-hmm. and then what do we have to make sure that we keep as um, you know secure because we do have another child that we have to look for. You know, we have to, you know, so. We looked into loans um, and we, we got a loan. And I'm proud to say a month ago, we have um, paid our- Woohoo! with you. <laughs> That's how I feel about my student loans. As soon as they're paid off, I'm like, yes, one down. Right. thousand more to go. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's kind of like that, you know? So we, we now officially own our children. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. But, but, but yes, um, and, and, it's a loan. Yeah. It was a monthly payment. Yeah. I do do I need do I need cable? No. Yeah. Do I need that 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 um really cute clothing box subscription right now? No. Yeah. What can we do to cut the fat to make a loan payment? Yep. That's what we did. Yep. It's and you know? Yeah. And so yeah. 
that that but I will say the one thing is we did we had both a low compensation surrogacies. Mm-hmm. They were not low compensation. Right. Surrogacies. Okay, because I would never people who are always like, oh well, you know, I want to have a gestational carrier that will just do it compassionately. I always tell them no. Yeah. No. You need to make sure that you have compensation in place. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is so important. Mm-hmm. I cannot stress that enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or the topic, of course, but yes, yes, I, I know. Oh gosh, yeah. Um, so I know I've taken up a lot of your time, and good Lord knows that there's so much to wrap your head around with surrogacy and independent surrogacy and their aspects of the process, which are are in near constant flux. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give someone considering independent surrogacy? If someone that's 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 a loaded question and i and i tell you because it, it depends on the circumstances yeah it really does it depends on what kind of person are you are you one that is going to shout to the rooftops your current situation and that you are pursuing an independent surrogacy or are you one that is going to quietly manage it yourself and 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 go from there you know so there there's two different buckets here mm-hmm. but i think a benefit is Number one, do your research. And I'm not, and I'm not talking about Google, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> do your research. Talk to people who um, have been in it, who have done it. And there's nothing wrong with getting good information from surrogacies who offer programs like yours. You know, But I, really, it's, it's diving into the research first. Mm-hmm. Have a game plan. Mm-hmm. Know what you're going to get. Put it on paper. Put it on paper again. Then start filling out the empty spots. But I think it, I think one of the things that's most important though about pursuing an independent surrogacy is you have to have the right people on your team. And I know you mentioned that before, but you, you absolutely have to have the people, the right people on your team. And that is one thing that you cannot cut corners on. Mm-mm. Yeah, absolutely not. Absolutely not. That is, I mean, because having the right people on your team is going to what is going to make or break your journey. Mm-hmm. That is what's going to make or break your journey. So absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Candice. I mean, it was always a pleasure talking to you. And like I said, I know we can go on for hours and hours and hours. So I really do appreciate your time. Eloise, you know I love you and I really appreciate you having me here. This is uh it's always a pleasure to talk to you, especially on on something I, I absolutely am passionate about. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you found this discussion helpful as you weigh your next steps. You can follow Fertility Cafe on our new Instagram and Facebook channel under Family Inceptions. If you haven't yet, go to your listening platform of choice and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. We'd also love you to share Fertility Cafe with friends and family members who would benefit from the information shared. Join us next week for another conversation on modern family building. Thank you so much for joining me today. Remember, love has no limits. Neither should parenthood. Thank you for joining us in the Fertility Cafe. Whether you're an intended parent, a woman considering egg donation, thinking of becoming a surrogate yourself, or a friend or family member of someone dealing with infertility, we're here to help. Visit our website, thefertilitycafe.com, for resources on fertility, alternative family building, and making this journey your own.